Hello and happy Thursday everyone from Tyler, Texas and the West Irwin Church of Christ as in Bill's preacher office. Glad to have you along for the ride. Hope that you are having a good week and hope that your weekend will go well also. Uh, thankful to have uh, you joining us, whether you're going to be watching live here as we go from this great passage in Colossians 2, or if you're catching it a little bit later on our website at westerwin.com, uh, click on that or scroll over that a link that says social media and resources, click on live streaming, and uh, that'll, be, uh, that'll be where you can find our live broadcast in the big blue box, but also a little bit below that, click on the link that says video archive and you can see a bunch of lessons, uh, lots of our uh, previous worship services as well, including this series of studies on the book of Colossians and other Facebook studies uh, and sermons that I've done over the last uh, while. Nice to see Pat with us and my cousin Gail, great to have y'all. I know we'll have some others joining us along as well. I think this is a a very important lesson and it's a special lesson because I get to tell my story and telling my story I hope that that helps you to recall and remember your story and also helps you to be challenged and uh, uh, feel a little bit more comfortable perhaps at uh, being willing to share uh, that story. Uh, I think that's important and I think we see biblical examples of that and we hear that call certainly in this passage so great to see you, Tia. Hope you're doing well. Uh, wonderful to see you. Love you and Brian and your family so much and uh, hope that all is well. And my dear friends, Larry and Lynn uh, Murphy as well. So thanks for joining in. And I hope that as we go through this lesson from Colossians 2, that it challenges you a bit to think about what it means to respond in faith to the gospel of Christ. And also, I hope again that it challenges you to think back on that time when you said yes uh, to the message of Christ and to making him Lord of your life. So a little bit of review, first of all, we've uh, entitled this lesson, so what's your meta-narrative, that crazy, long, horrible word that means basically just the all-encompassing story of your life, or maybe the all-encompassing story of life. I believe there is uh, one of those. I think there is ultimate truth, and I think we talked more about that in this past Tuesday's lesson. So if you missed that, I hope that you'll go back and listen in on that one. Um, but I, I want us to recall that the story, the meta narrative, the ultimate story is centered on Jesus Christ and it's revealed to us through his word. And so that's where we go to figure out what it is and figure out what our place in it is. And, uh, and I want us specifically today to be looking at this passage in Colossians 2. Uh, because I want us to talk a little bit today about the response of faith. This isn't a lesson just about that, but we're going to be talking about that as we look at these verses, especially in Colossians 2, verses 11 through 15. Here's what I believe that is involves. It involves believing in the message uh, that you hear about Jesus Christ and how he came and lived and died on the cross for our sins and then was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven and will one day come back. That is the gospel, the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried and that he was raised from the dead on the third day and he lives forever. Uh, and once you believe, then I think the next step according to scripture, uh, which such as Acts 2.38 and Luke 13.3 and so many other places, calls us to repent. That word just means to change. It means to change your life 
uh, to fit into what God wants it to be rather than just what you want it to be. And, um, and then to uh, confess that faith. Others need to know. Uh, and we read about confession in Romans chapter 10. Uh, we see it being done in Acts chapter 8. And uh, we read about it in other places as well. To confess with our mouths Jesus as Lord. Once we have believed that in our, in our hearts. Uh, that's what Romans 10 says. And then once we've believed and we've repented and we have confessed that faith, then we are baptized. I believe that scripture calls us to be baptized as part of the response of faith. And there are plenty of scriptures that talk about that, starting with um, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, the Great Commission to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, uh, continuing to teach them. That's taking that word further once they have become a Christian. Uh, that first sermon in Acts chapter 2 ends with this charge, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts chapter 9, uh, Saul of Tarsus is baptized. Acts 10, Cornelius and his whole family is baptized. Acts chapter 16, Lydia and her family are baptized. The Philippian jailer and his family uh, are baptized. Acts 22, verse 16, as Paul recounts his story, he says, um, Ananias tells him, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away. Even though Saul of Tarsus had seen the Lord firsthand, heard his voice, even though he had been praying and fasting for three days in the city of Damascus, still Ananias comes to him with that call. Uh, to get up and be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on the name of the Lord. Um, Saul had not washed his sins away yet, and so he had not accepted the Lord uh, through the response of faith, and that's, that's just the teaching um, of Scripture. And thankfully, Saul did that, and then uh, later on continued to preach the gospel, became a missionary uh, from his sponsoring congregation, Antioch of Syria, Along with his partner Barnabas on that first mission journey, his name, he began being called by Paul rather than Saul and then went on further mission journeys with Silas and Timothy and had other companions, including Luke as well, the writer of the book of Acts. Um, all of that to say that's the gospel and that's the response of faith according to the teaching of scripture. Many other scriptures in the New Testament write about that, Romans chapter 6 First uh, Peter chapter 3, 2 uh, Corinthians 5, just lots and lots of passages. And I hope that if you are confused about that, that you'll reach out to me. I'd love to share more with you. Um, but I want us to look at Colossians 2, because some people will say, well, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. You just need to receive Jesus into your heart and pray the sinner's prayer. And that's all it takes. If you want to be baptized later, and you should, then you can. But that's not a part of the response of faith. I disagree with that very respectfully, very lovingly, but very firmly. I believe that's not the teaching of Scripture. I think that's some of our tradition. And for those who believe that and that's how they've responded, I am fully willing to leave them in the hands of the Lord and to uh, welcome all of the things that we have in common. And I pray that the Lord will be merciful to us all. I just don't think that that's what Scripture teaches. Um, and they say, well, what about Colossians 2, verse 6? Well, let's read it, shall we? So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. So you can receive Christ as Lord. That's exactly right. I agree with that. 
course I do. But that's not the only verse in, in the Bible, and it's not even the only verse in Colossians 2. And so let's talk a little bit more about some of the verses that follow, and let's skip down to where our passage is for today, which is verses 11 through 15. Start with verse 11 of Colossians 2. In him, Christ, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by or in Christ. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So what does it mean to receive Jesus as Lord? Well, according to Paul himself, as we continue reading in Colossians 2, verses 11 and 12, it means being buried with him through baptism and being raised to live a new and different life. Uh, you, If you are uh, familiar with the scripture story, then you recognize that passage in Colossians 2 being very similar to many other passages, including Romans 6, which calls us, reminds the Roman Christians, Christians in Rome, that they, when they became a Christian, uh, that they uh, died to sin, that they were buried with Christ through baptism into death, and that they were raised to live a new life. And in both of those cases, Colossians 2 here and Romans 6, Paul takes them back to the story of their conversion when they became a Christian as he's trying to help them understand this is why you seek to live a faithful life. Not in order to be saved. We can never do enough good to be saved, but because we have responded by faith to the gospel of Christ and this is now who we are. And that's the story of scripture. Ephesians 2 is very similar to this passage. As it says, it is once we were dead in our sins, now we have been made alive through Christ. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And even that is the gift from God. So we can't boast about our response of faith. Uh, we've not earned anything. We don't deserve anything, uh, whether it's because we're baptized or because we believe. Um, both of those are acts that we do. Some are critical of those who would say that baptism is a part of the response of faith because they say no, because then you're saying that you earn salvation by being baptized. Well, no, you don't earn salvation by being baptized any more than you would earn salvation by believing. Both of those are acts of our will that we do choose to do on our own. And the only reason that it matters is because of the cross of Christ. And that's verses 13 and following that tells that story that if baptism is a part of the response of faith and that it's something that we do genuinely from the heart because Jesus died on the cross and was buried and was raised from the dead, then it has power. If that's not true, then it's just getting wet. It's just jumping off the high diving board of the deep end of the pool like I did when I was a kid in, in San Antonio uh, at the Kelly Air Force Base Security Service pool. Loved doing it. Was a little bit crazy. Still am, but loved doing it. Well, baptism is not that. First Peter 3 says baptism is not a taking of the bath. It's not 
cleaning filth from the flesh, but it's rather the response, the quest of a good conscience uh, to be right with God because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Peter in 1 Peter 3 ties those together just like Paul does here in Colossians 2 uh, and in other places. So today, the question is, well, have you done that? <laughs> have you received Jesus Christ as Lord, the way Paul talks about it here? Have you been buried with Christ? Everyone at Colossae had that he was talking to. Everyone in Rome had that he was talking to. If that's not the case, then why would he tell them Look, here's why you live faithfully, because you, you've been buried with Christ through baptism and you've been raised to live a new life. Well, if that's not true of every Christian, then why would that argument make sense? Paul would find some other reason to challenge them to faithful living. But he knew that everyone who is a part of the church uh, in Colossae, in modern day Turkey, the western part, that they had been baptized. He knew that everyone in Rome, when he made that statement in Romans 6, that they too had been baptized into Christ. He, Peter knew in 1 Peter 3, that as he called on the, the Christians that he was writing to who were going through such persecution and had zero social standing because they had been transplanted. They were immigrants forced out of Palestine and into modern day Turkey, probably. Um, they they were told to live a faithful life even in the midst of persecution. Why? Because, because you've been baptized into Christ. You, you have, have put off that old life and now you're seeking to live according to the call that uh, Jesus has given us that Peter himself reminds them of throughout First and Second Peter. As he tells them, remember Jesus had to suffer, so you're suffering and you can have fellowship with Christ in that way and throw yourself to the one who judges justly and trust yourself to God, just as Jesus did during his earthly life and especially on the cross, as, as Peter tells them, especially in that great passage in 1 Peter 2. Well, Paul had a story. We read about it in Acts chapter nine. It's the narrative that Luke shares when Paul was saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, was blinded, ask him, what do I do, Lord? And Jesus didn't tell him, well, all you have to do is pray this prayer. That's found nowhere in scripture. Um, but what Jesus did tell him is, we'll go into the city and you'll be told. And then Jesus appeared to Ananias, a Christian man who didn't want to go see Saul of Tarsus because he wanted to live and not die. But Jesus convinced him and Ananias went and that's when he told him, what are you waiting for, Saul? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away. Acts 22, verse 16. Luke tells us that story in Acts 9 and the narrative as it happens. And then Paul himself, as he stands on trial for being a Christian uh, and for the faith that he is proclaiming and the way that he is living, uh, he tells his story. He tells that story of Jesus confronting him on the road to Damascus and sending him into the city and and being told to be baptized into Christ by Ananias, and then being faithful to that command and going from there to preach the message that he had once tried to destroy. Uh, Paul tells that story in Acts 22 and in Acts 26 uh, before King Agrippa and others. Um, he also tells that story in some of his letters in Philippians 3 and 1 Timothy 1. Philippians 3, he calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees, but then uh, after being a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, he became a Christian himself. 
and sought to live according to that gospel that he had tried to destroy. First Timothy 1 is that great passage where he calls himself the worst of the sinners, the chief of sinners. And yet he says, Jesus had mercy on me. Jesus can have mercy on you too. What a wonderful, wonderful statement and a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Um, and so that passage in Titus 3 that talks about uh, the washing of rebirth and renewal and regeneration uh, through the Holy Spirit of God, a, a similar passage to this one in Colossians 2, to Romans 6, to Ephesians 2, very similar in Titus 3, verses 3 through 8. Just as Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, you must be born again of water and spirit. Um, Paul, as he writes to Titus in Titus 3, reminds him to remind others uh, that we have been washed with the rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Very similar language to what Jesus told Nicodemus. We are buried and raised with Christ in baptism. And Paul likens it to circumcision here. He talks about that in these verses. And we're wondering, well, some have suggested that circumcision is, is baptism, that baptism is the New Testament version of circumcision. It's the sign of the covenant like circumcision was beginning in the days of Abraham and Ishmael uh, when God gave that promise and that call and that covenant and circumcision became the sign of the old covenant. But I don't, I don't know that that's correct. Others have suggested that circumcision here in the context as it relates to baptism is really talking about the, the death of Christ, the killing of Jesus Christ. That's when his blood was shed and that's the blood that saves us from our sins and then what baptism does is it connects us with that sacrifice that's what that passage alludes to uh, throughout those verses we read when you were dead in your sins verse 13 and in the uncircumcision of your flesh god made you alive with christ he forgave us all our sins took them all away nailing them to his cross all of that building on those verses that preceded, verses 11 and 12. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ or in Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ, and he forgave us all our sins. I'm not sure either way, however you understand that, there is that great connection between our response of faith, um, believing in Jesus, repenting of our sins, confessing that faith so that others will know that we are, we are genuine in our hearts, and then being baptized uh, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. That connects us with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you can't be saved without that death, burial, and resurrection. I think that these passages are what give baptism its great significance and call us to be obedient uh, to that call, to be baptized into Jesus Christ because it connects us with the cross. Just as Jesus died on the cross, we die to sin. Paul says in Romans 6, just as Jesus was buried in the tomb, we're buried through baptism into death, as he puts it in Romans 6 and also right here that we just read in Colossians 2. And just as Jesus was raised from the grave and that tomb is empty, nobody leaves us underwater. We are raised 
but we're raised different. We're raised to live a new life. And that new life is possible simply because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So I hope you have a story. I hope you can tell yours as easily as Paul can tell his. I hope you can tell yours as easily as I've learned to tell mine. Uh, my story begins uh, probably when I was in fifth grade, if you can imagine that, as a boy at Royal Gate Elementary School in San Antonio, Texas. Um, in the fifth grade, I began to turn my life towards Jesus. I sent off to Billy Graham Ministries. I read The Cross and the Switchblade. I started being very active at the Protestant Chapel on base where my family went at the time. I went to youth retreats. I sung in the junior choir. I did all of those things. And I was very sincere. That was a very important time of my faith development. Now, that wasn't when I became a Christian, but that was a very important time of me coming to know about the Word of God and about His church and trying to live my life according to what I understood His will to be. But I didn't stop there, and God didn't stop with me there either. Because when I was in ninth grade, a freshman at South San Antonio High School in March of 1972, I noticed at the Protestant Chapel that people, my friends, my friends in high school would, they would take communion. I don't remember how often they served it there. They served it, I think, once a month or once a quarter, likely. Because at that time in the Protestant Chapel in the early 1970s and the late 1960s, there, there were really only three uh, uh, worship services at the chapel. Uh, it was Catholic and Jewish, and if you didn't belong in either of those, then you went to the Protestant church. And, and whatever the, uh, the, the denominational teaching of the chaplain at the time was, well, that's how kind of the service went. Um, and, and I participated in that with wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, and don't regret that at all. Um, and, and then in ninth grade, I noticed my friends were taking communion. And so I went to my mother and I said, I, you know, peer pressure, I want to take communion too. And she said, well, she has a Church of Christ background. My mother and her siblings, I believe, were baptized by the late John Stevens, former president and chancellor at Abilene Christian University. Uh, and he was there in southeast Texas in the Jasper area where my mom was from and was the preacher of the church there. And this was before the war. This was before World War II. And that's when I believe that my mother and her siblings uh, were baptized by Brother Stevens. And then he went off to war, then went to Abilene Christian College and became such a great leader in the churches of Christ. Uh, well, my mom had not been active in the church after marrying my dad and and just going to the Protestant chapel some and and but when I asked started asking questions that's when uh, that's when that kicked in and I asked her about uh, you know taking communion and she said well I really think that you need to be baptized to do that and I said okay I can be baptized I've been swimming all my life I love the water no big deal I'm certainly a strong believer in Jesus so I'm fine with that she said well let's get some more teaching. So we ended up in a Bible study on a Sunday afternoon with the wonderful, my dear, dear friend and Christian father in the faith, Ronnie Clayton. And Ronnie and Karen, such dear, dear friends, even to this day and their family. I'll tell you more about why in just a moment. But Ronnie taught us that afternoon and that night I was baptized. My sister Alice was baptized. My brother had already moved away and was um, uh, married and had some kids. Um, and my dad was baptized. Uh, and my mother was restored. 
and we went to a devotional with wonderful people such as Russ Barty and Ellen Elliott at the time, Jamie Elliott at the time, Ann Cook. Um, so many great and wonderful, wonderful people that I still remember to this day. John Schneider, Karen Schneider, Lori Kampf. Uh, it was uh, such a wonderful group. Wonderful, wonderful group. Um, Greg Charleville, Relda Charleville, I, Greg, Gary Toothman, my best friend, Dennis Toothman, Nancy Toothman. Um, I so many wonderful people that reached out to us and accepted us. And that night they said, hey, why don't y'all come to the devotional with us tonight? And we said, OK, sure. And then they said, well, we're going on a mission trip this summer. Why don't y'all go with us? Well, sure. My sister Alice and I said, yeah, absolutely. We dove in with both feet and never regretted it for a moment. And still to this day, uh, very active in, the, in uh, the, the church and so grateful for that. Um, but it was that night when I was baptized into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins that I became a Christian. And my dad was, and it's the only time I can remember my alcoholic father not drinking for an extended period of time. Unfortunately, he went back uh, to Lone Star and Falstaff beer, and ultimately my parents divorced. Um, and, um, and then um, when I was a senior in high school in October of in September of my senior year on September 14th, celebrating a birthday with my dear friend Gary Toothman, his 18th, and, and we got the news that my mother had passed away. My parents were divorced. My dad lived in a tiny, tiny apartment in San Antonio and was in no way emotionally able to care for a, a high school senior, but I didn't wanna leave and go live with my brother who certainly had given me that option or some other relative. And so wonderful people within the church at Lackland Terrace Church of Christ, this great, great church in San Antonio, opened their homes to me and, uh, and helped me through that time and let me live with them to continue at South San Antonio High School and live out my senior year there before going to Oklahoma Christian College, studying to be a preacher. Um, wonderful people. My best friend, Gary Toothman and his family, I stayed with them for a while. Our preacher and his family, Ronnie and Karen Clayton, um, and then a, a dear friend, a single man at the time, Gary Burford, who uh, had, had taken me to the store to buy me clothes to wear to the funeral when my mother died. Um, that was a great, great thing. Uh, the very next month, I started dating this cute uh, twirler at South Sand High School that I'd known since seventh grade, Joyce Long, and uh, the rest of that is history, too. Uh, she started attending with us and uh, was baptized after studying with Ronnie and me. And he baptized her. And I remember Ronnie telling me, uh, Bill, you better hang on to this one. <laughs> and so here we are, married almost 44 years. It'll be 44 years this May. And he was exactly right. I best better do that. And I'm thankful that she uh, was willing and that we both have held on to each other through all the craziness of these last decades. Um, that, that's my story. That it comes so easily and yours will too why because you lived it you lived it and you can associate it with scriptures you can associate it with my story with paul's story with others you can tell about the significant people that led you along your way that have helped you since then but you could tell your story and i hope that today hearing mine I hope that it, that helps you remember yours. Maybe you were baptized in a baptistry at a church of Christ, just like I was. Maybe you were baptized in a pool, a camp, or in a river, or in a lake, uh, at someone's home. Um, it, it doesn't matter where you were baptized. What matters is what was in your heart. 
and that you died to sin, that you were buried with Christ, immersed into Jesus Christ, and that you were raised to live a new life. That's what the scriptures teach. And, um, and that's what I think we're supposed to do even still today. And we can. It's so, it's so easy if your heart is right, if, it's, if you're willing to do whatever it takes uh, to take that blood of Jesus and to let it wash away your sins. I'm fully convinced that if Ananias had gone to Saul of Tarsus in Damascus that day and it told him, you need to, you need to go back to Jerusalem and um, get on a donkey and ride around the city ten times, and uh, and and you'll be saved. Saul would have done that. He would have done that. But that's not what Ananias told him. Ananias told him to get up and be baptized and wash your sins away. And Luke records that that happened in Luke in Acts chapter nine. And then Paul immediately began to preach the gospel of Jesus that he had that had this Lord who had opened himself up. I'm sure Saul thought that he was a dead man on the road to Damascus when Jesus identified himself said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. And yet he didn't. He had mercy on him. And my friend, he'll have mercy on you too. It's why he came. It's why he lived. It's why he died. So that we could be saved. But more than that, baptism is so much more than just that part of our response of faith that draws us into the blood of Christ and allows that blood to wash away our sins. Baptism is that being raised to live a new life. Again, in, New, in the New Testament, when Paul or Peter or others remind us of that call, it's to remind us that we, this is how we're supposed to live now. Because we have been baptized into Christ, this is our story. This is our meta narrative. This is that all-encompassing story that connects us with the life and death and resurrection and coming of Jesus Christ. And so I hope that you will understand that. Baptism without faith is simply getting wet. If the cross of Christ is not involved, if the blood he shed is not involved, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, but the response of faith without baptism takes away that significant connection to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul could say what he does here in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Uh, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness and took it away, nailing it to his cross. How did that happen? When did that happen for the Colossians? It happened when they received Jesus as Lord. It happened as verses uh, uh, 11 and 12 say, in him, Christ you were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Baptism is a part of the response of faith, is the power of God at work in our lives. It is that response of faith that is trusting in God who nailed our sins to the cross and triumphed over all powers and authorities by the cross. Baptism is a part of the response of faith is trusting in that God who raised Christ from the dead and raised us with him through our faith in his power. And baptism is a part of the response of faith gives us mission and purpose and direction for our lives. And it sets the stage for everything else that Paul will say in the book of Colossians. 
because now he's going to talk to them about what that life in Christ looks like and how we're called to think on things above, heavenly things, spiritual things, eternal things, and not just on those things that are below. So what's your meta narrative? What's your story? What's the story of when you came to know Jesus Christ as Lord, when you received him, when you recognize that the death, burial, and resurrection means something to you, and you want it to mean that your sins are washed away as well? I'd love to hear about that. You can write, a, write me about that. Um, but more than that, I hope that you share that story. I hope that you share that with your spouse. I hope that you share that uh, with your children, with your grandchildren. I hope that you share that with your Bible class sometime, that you have the opportunity uh, to tell your story. Whatever the appropriate time and place is, um, there may be someone that God has moved into your life who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't know what this means, what this gospel means, who doesn't understand what that response of faith is, you can help them. You can help them the same way Paul helped so many. You can help them by telling your story. I pray, I pray that God will give you the opportunity and the guiding hand and the courage, but the great, great blessing of being willing to share your story. God bless.